0: Start thinking about being the rock star maker rather than the rock star. Give, give, give. That's what true leaders do. How to build a real estate empire. So, you know, working through that, I myself have recently gone through some big changes too. And I think it's a great way to start in the fact that I do run a coaching and consulting company. We create training materials and coaching systems, and I've recently replaced myself, and I'm kind of floating in this new world as this chairman founder where I've hired a CEO to run my company and a COO to run my company. Quite a while ago, I got out of formally coaching clients myself. We've got a team of, uh, I, I think the number is around 60 coaches across North America, which whom we're always looking for, by the way, too. So if anybody has the interest of that, I'm going to put my name in the chat and you can. we're looking for those all the time. But now I'm in a place, and believe it or not, that little magic trick of replacing myself, that's something I've kind of done with many businesses over the years. So I now own multiple different businesses from brokerages to, to mortgage companies, to title companies, to real estate licensing schools, to continuing education schools, to now coaching and consulting company. and And these things to some degree, you know, pretty much run themselves uh, once they get going and you have strong leadership. And I think that is the key to building the proverbial empire. And so when we talk about how to do that, well, there's obviously a lot of ways to skin the cat, but I want to try to pick ways that apply to all of them. And so I'm going to start with this to make sure this does apply to all of you. Most people have an end game where they have two goals in mind, and, and there are two goals that are simultaneously running alongside each other, they do correlate directly, although it doesn't always feel like it. And the goals are these. Number one is they want to keep making more money. That's number one. We want to keep making more money. That's kind of the obvious one. The one that's not so obvious sometimes is we want to work less and less, okay? Until hopefully hopefully at some point we have the magic word, which is passive income, or at least some degree of it, okay? And if and if and if that does apply to you, I'm going to give you some books you should read out here too because I'm that kind of guy. There is a book called The Cash Flow Quadrant by Kiyosaki that I think is his best book, and he's written some very. It's the sequel to um, Rich Dad Poor Dad, but it's the it's one of those. It's like The Empire Strikes Back. It was better than the first one. Okay, but if you're a Star Wars fan, you feel me. That's the idea. There is. Getting to a place where we're generating more income and at the same time as we're generating more income, we're working less and less. And if we are not on that business plan, to me, we are on a business plan that at some point is going to self-destruct one way or the other, okay? You're going to change your goals. You're going to change your model, everything because of it, okay? So we always want to make sure that we're on that business plan, or at least we're headed to it. Not to say there will be moments you have to roll up the sleeves and work harder, don't get me wrong, but there has to be an end to that. There has to be a plan and a way to get out of that. So we got to have those two goals in mind, even though sometimes it doesn't feel like it, but that's got to be our end game. Okay. With any business endeavor, we are moving forward towards. Okay, so if you've got a couple things, maybe you've got some property management, maybe you've got a mortgage company, maybe you've got title, maybe you've got this, maybe you've got that, maybe you develop on the side, maybe you flip houses. maybe you you invest. all that's fine. That's great. I love it. But boy, we gotta make sure at some point the plan is to be less of me and still more of income, okay and, I'll give you an example. Last year it's re- there's a, there's some timeliness here because of what we went through last year, right? That's a very easy thing to say and a hard thing to do considering the drop in sales volume we've seen really over the last two consecutive years, right? Where nationally sales volume has dropped give or take carry the one 25% per year each year. Okay? That's big drops in sales volume which means big drops in commission income on average across the board, okay? And when you're facing that and you're hearing all the gloom and doom and getting all of that, it's very, very hard to stay in alignment with your goal of working less. Eisenhower Coachings custom training suite is your company's own custom branded training website loaded with Eisenhower Coachings powerful training courses for real estate agents, teams and brokerages with video lessons, audio lessons, downloadable course workbooks, scripts, tools and systems with quizzes and action steps for accountability and implementation. Managers can also monitor agent performance with detailed reporting agents can earn certificates and degree designations abbreviated after their name in signature lines online profiles and marketing easily create your own customized courses for local topics like file compliance mls systems contracts and disclosures crm training and new agent orientation use icc's course training materials in your own office training rooms with our downloadable and printable student workbooks Instructors' manuals, instructional training videos for each class lesson. The Custom Training Suite is your own custom-branded training system that is changing the game for real estate, teams, and companies everywhere. I actually spend a lot of time with my coaches, and I love our clients too, so I spend time with them as well. I give people a grade over how they've handled the last two years, right? And that grade is simple. The grade is last year, if you rolled your sleeves up and got back to work and hustled and didn't eliminate your goals, I give you an A minus, which is a really good grade from me. Okay. I give you an A minus, not an A plus. There is a way to get an A plus. An A minus is you got your sleeves back? You took some jobs back. You got in there and you rode with your team. You were in there, and I get that. That is good. That is strong. That's why you get an A minus. But there are some that got an A plus, and it's a very, very, very few where they continued to leverage their job to other people, and they, I mean, it, and that's that's sketchy. I mean, going through these winners with low sales volume that's already dipping with seasonality and you're letting go of your job, which means you're reducing your profit margin and you got to watch your bank balances through the winter months and you're still letting go and not jumping in there to increase your profit margin with your own production that you don't have to pay a bunch of people when you get. That's sketchy stuff. And that's hard stuff this is a shameless plug. It really helps if you have a coach to scream at you through this process. But the point, the point of the matter is, I mean, it gets scary because you're flying that plane real low to the ground, man. You're like, oh, pull up. I just don't want to lose money during this. And then boom, let's say that this spring happens like we all hope it does and rates drop and everybody finally puts their houses up for sale and all those buyers gobble them up and we're back to 2019, let's say, and everyone's happy again you know what? You pulled up and you made it. You made it because you actually didn't take three steps back to go four forward. You let go and you took the risk. Okay. So that's how you got an A plus. Now, if you crash and burn, you know, I'm just not going to admit I coached you at that time because it does take a lot of courage to move fast. It's how fast do you want to get to your goal where you have passive income coming. Because you can take it the slow route and go, keep going three steps back, four steps forward, which is good. A minus. We coach that. In fact, most of the time we coach that because that's what our clients elect. We can't make you do things. We can just strongly guilt you to death. The point of the matter is, though, when <clears throat> we do that, a a mentality kicks in that is prevalent in the real estate industry which is where I've dedicated the last 34 years of my life. And that prevalence comes, gets focused around what I I have named. It's one of the few things that I have not copied from somebody else. And it's called profit margin syndrome. Profit margin syndrome, where we get obsessed with a profit margin. And I mean, the whole industry is, right? I mean, you think about how split sensitive agents are. You know what I mean? Where they, they want to go to discount brokerage so they can pay the least or they want to, you know, they don't see any value from anything um, or they just want, they, they'll never hire an administrative assistant because they can't afford it because they only have so much money that they want to keep from their commission check. They don't want to bring on other agents and give, let's say, buyers away to a buyer's agents or a showing special or something like that because they want to preserve the most of that. So they they're just concerned with this profit margin, but they don't understand in all of business The most successful people have the smallest margins. Let me say that again. The most successful people have the smallest margins. The least successful people have the largest profit margins. Because, guys, profit margins aren't your goal. Your goal is total net income and working less. Profit margin, let me give you an example. Let's go with Elon Musk. Okay. So he's a big famous guy. And let's go back to when Elon Musk was running Tesla. Okay. There's a guy who had, if you just isolate Tesla, I know he owns a bunch of stuff, but this is all hypothetical. There's a guy who ran with a low profit margin. Okay. And I'm going to make up a bunch of numbers because they're round numbers and I don't like math. Let's say that Tesla has $1 billion in expenses. And then Tesla has $101 in income after they pay everybody but Elon. Elon has like a 0.001 profit margin. But Elon just made a billion dollars in one year. And he's in a jet doing a bunch of recreational drugs or whatever he talks about doing. That's what Elon's doing. He has a very low margin. And that's true in the real estate industry, where typically the cheapest, the agents that are selling the least, like one, which is the majority of, right? I mean, I, I, you know, 50% of any of your MLSs sold nothing last year. And you'll notice those agents tend to be at very, very discount brokerages. Yet the agents on your real estate teams or at high value brokerages that give so much back and pour into you, like the one you're at. Those agents know that's where the top agents are. That's where the successful agents are. They see the value. They see worth in investing in their business. Why? Successful people leave clues that it's up to you to pick up. And that's that if you actually invest in your business, you are going to reduce your profit margin. A solo agent that does everything themselves is gonna have a very high profit margin. It's gonna be up on the 90%. I mean, you can go out, I know tons of people that just go out and get their own brokerage license. So they don't have to pay anybody anything. It's all about, their whole goal is to reduce their expenses, not to make a lot of net income. I mean, they have to work till they're 100 degrees. So they get obsessed with profit margins, profit margins everywhere. Why would I go work on your team and give 50% of my commission away? Well, you know what 50% of zero is? Anything times zero. That's the one math I do know. It equals zero. And that's what they're making where they are. If they're getting 100% of zero at their brokerage, well, if you're not selling anything, So getting obsessed with profit margin actually creates an inability to move forward and grow. You may be able to have a high profit margin, but you're only gonna be able to make so much income that way, and you're certainly not gonna get any time back, right? So getting a, getting away from profit margins is extremely tough. Generally speaking, it's even tougher during the winter, which is when we all have free time and want to hire and expand anyway. But it's scary because we have low bank balances. In the summer, when things are busy, what I call the harvest season between spring and summer, when the vast majority of sales are actually being conducted, that's when we're flush and our bank accounts are very high. And that's when we want to spend money, right? But we don't have the time to do it then. We don't have the time to hire, the time to train and things like that. So this profit margin just consumes us as we ride this real estate roller coaster up and down. All of our decisions are based on that emotional feeling, that fear of preserving a profit margin. So what even makes it worse? And I think especially right now, this time of year and where we are right now, is um is what we're seeing on social media right now. And what we see on social media, if you're in our industry, is a whole lot of arrogance. People out there just talking about the hundreds and thousands of units they close or the massive sales volume they put out there. Um, you know, no one's talking about their net income because that's kind of weird, number one. And number two, no one's doing it. So we're like forced to see this and we're comparing our insides with their bs you know and my goal is not to get a bunch of units my you know unless there's a direct correlation to net income and, and we got to be careful we know how to do that and we know how to assess our financials <laughs> properly um, not just for tax purposes, purposes with an accountant um we need to know how to assess our business model and move forward with that right because well, I'll give you an example. Okay, let me give you a good example of this. Okay, and, and I think you'll like this. Um, there is the, has anybody out there, um, heard about the story of the bull and the pheasant? Okay, the bull and the pheasant is an old parable, man. It's an old parable. Okay, so um, the the story goes like this: the bull and the fe- the pheasant were grazing on a field. Okay, they're out there grazing, right? And the, basically, the pheasant sits on the bull's back and picks. You know this is old because people don't talk about pheasants, but people pick tick. The, the pheasant picks ticks off the bull. Like it's like a symbiotic relationship between the two, like the clownfish and the sea anemone, right? Like me and everybody that works for me. Like I can't live without them. I can't even like iron my clothes. And that pheasant helps the bull out by picking ticks. So they're friends and they're buddies, right? And, and so they, they want to help each other out. And at the end of this field. The pheasant looks up and sees this big, beautiful, tall tree and just says to his buddy, the bull goes, hey, man, I remember a day when my wings were so strong when I was young. I could fly all the way up to the top of that tree. And it was so beautiful up there. What I wouldn't give to do that again. And the bull looks at him and goes, well, all you have to do is spend a little time eating little pieces of my bull dung, which is poop, if you don't know that kind of stuff. Just pick a little bit every day. And I bet you in about two weeks, you will be strong enough to fly all the way to the top of the tree. And there's so much protein in that and stuff. And the, the pheasant goes, Come on, man. I'm not falling for that. You know, n- no way. There, there's no chance. He goes, Oh, no, just try it and see what he got to lose. I mean, we've been at this for a long time. You want to fly up there, pick a little bit of everything. He goes, In fact, all of humanity, all of those humans, like the old farmer in the farmhouse, all of them have based their entire lives upon it. the entirety of humanity. He's like, Okay, I got to try this. Right. So then all of a sudden, the, uh, the pheasant jumps down on the dung and starts picking at it, right? And he hops and, and, and he tries. And all of a sudden, he's able to, like, he sees a little bit of strength. He starts hopping up and down. So the next day, he picks at it again. And, and he's able to hop up to the first branch of the tree. And the, and the, and the second day, that the, you know, the, the next branch and, and so forth and so on all the way up. Until finally, at the end of two weeks, he's up at the top of the tree and he's sitting up there. And he's flapping his wings because they're big and is strong and his big belly's hanging out there. And he's checking out the view, feeling the breeze. He feels youthful again and everything feels wonderful. And then all of a sudden, even the farmer notices because he's sitting back on his rocking chair with his big shotgun. And all he sees is a big fat pheasant sitting up at the top of the tree. So he cocks the shotgun, fires it or rifle. I guess shotguns don't go that far. I'm not good with guns, but he kills the pheasant. Pheasant dies. Moral of the story is, bullshit may get you to the top, but it never lets you stay there for long. So if you're one of those guys that's out there just bragging about your unit count, it won't be long before you call Eisenhower Coaching. Because that's what ends up, that's what our clients, they come in, they got big numbers, but we don't have net income. We got big numbers, but we don't have any life back. And you'll burn out without it. So understanding that story, and, and let me tell you where I got that story. Is anybody listen to, uh, there's, there's a guy named sad guru out there, book called inner engineering. He quotes that that is in that book. Great book for you again, inner engineering, sad guru, SADH. And that's where it comes from. Um, And I don't think I've told that to anybody before, but if we're obsessed with profit margins or we we are gonna ignore net income or our goals, what we do is we start chasing other people's goals or or other people's statements out there. And we're just following unit counts and things like that and comparing ourselves in ways that are not in alignment with our goals. So you won't stay up there for long if you do that. You just won't last. The whole key is to actually run a business that is alignment with our goals and, and be in alignment with our insides rather than the other people's outsides out there, especially right now, because everybody's in that. If it's to be, it's up to me place right now and vomiting everything all over social media about how awesome they are. And they've been quiet for three months because they're they're on that roller coaster. They're quiet. They're quiet. They're quiet. And then they're awesome. They're awesome. The sky's the limit and there is no stability in there. And that's what happens when someone's not in alignment with their business models, not in alignment with their and external goals. They lose sight of them, okay? Crucial, crucial, we stay focused on where we want to be. And I think it's very crucial for all of you to make sure that our goal involves those two core concepts, increasing income and increasing our free time. And when I say free time, understand I'm going to qualify that. It doesn't just mean, you get to like be lazy. No, it could be you opening your next venture. It could be you, you know, starting to develop or flip houses yourself. It's what you do with your free time. But if it's all consumed in that one business, an empire you will not build. Because now you've just got one business, okay? And you're just going to focus on it and try to squeeze everything out of it like a turnip. And you're going to get that syndrome. You're going to only care about its profit margin. And boy, you squeeze anything too tight, it starts to slip through the fingers. Your people will slip through your fingers. It gets very, very, very tough, okay? So the key here is this. To be this empire builder, we've got to be a strong leader, okay? And to be a strong leader, you have to change yourself first, okay? Because strong leaders or empire builders Learn how to be strong leaders. They are not born, okay? Please eliminate the fact that this whole born leader thing out there. You can learn and improve your leadership. So says John Maxwell in the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. If you haven't read that one, that's kind of a must read. John Maxwell, 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. The best leaders are learned. The greatest leaders learn how to keep improving. Okay, so we are always developing our leadership, self-included, Sharon included. We are constantly trying to sharpen those skills. We are not assessing others as much as we are growing ourselves within and trusting on that. Because if you're improving your leadership, it's a less likelihood you're going to start forcing out negative judgments towards others. Especially those people that work with you, okay? Okay. So we're gonna have to change that a little bit for you to have this clear view. Okay. Um, and that doesn't, you know, the con you think that's obvious. Well, no, most people say I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna do this on my own. I'm just gonna follow a bunch of action steps on how to build a real estate team. I see what they did, I'm gonna take that nugget and that nugget, and I hate freaking nuggets. I'm gonna take all these stupid nuggets and I'm gonna put them together myself. I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna hire this person, I'm gonna hire these people, I'm gonna structure it this way, I'm gonna put this job description in place and use this org chart, maybe a little bit of that org chart, and I'm gonna. Frankenstein this thing together, never improving our own leadership that's going to be able to handle it, right? Never improving our mindset. What we're going to do is just follow a list of action steps and ignore our own development. And that, quite frankly, is is just pure arrogance. And that's not what this company, mine or yours, is about. We're about being kind, giving back, which is all traits of a strong leader. Strong leaders know how to humble themselves. Tough time of year to humble ourselves too, let me tell you. Now, again, before I start to sound like I'm arrogant, I am the worst in all of this, which is why it's so easy for me to talk about. Okay? Um, Because I have stepped into these this week. It's constant for me. I'm I'm a serial, serial bad leader. But again... I, I think I'm, I, I I learn and, then I, and, and that's why I'm also a good leader because we learn the concepts of failing forward, right? Um, that's good to great. Is that Hardy? Yeah, good to great by Hardy. Um, so moving forward, you'd think I'd say something generally by myself, right? I want you to embrace this new concept that all roles, including your own, must be replaceable. All roles, including your own, must be replaceable. So whatever you do right now, everything you do in your primary business where you're spending most of your time right now, that's got to be completely replaceable. It's got to be. And that is hard, man, because you're sitting there thinking, oh, man, but I'm the only one that can do some of this stuff. Then we're back to that arrogance thing again. You're an arrogant warrior, but you're also admitting you're a pretty horrible chief. In other words, I can't teach someone else this. I'm good at doing it. But I don't have the ability to teach it. How do other people teach it? How does my dentist teach me to sit in his hygienist chair? Like, how do I deal with that? I don't know how I deal with that. He just does it. And I let someone else clean my teeth, not him. And on and on and on and on and on. I don't think, you know, Elon Musk is going on the test drive with me. How are they doing it? So we got to get humble and acknowledge that we don't have all the answers, right? That's number two. Another book, because I don't like to copy people without giving some sort of credit, John Maxwell. This is actually my favorite Maxwell book, Five Levels of Leadership. Five levels of leadership. You think it's less, it should be less valuable because it's not the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership. You're getting less for your money, but these five laws are power pack laws. They should be multiplied times 10 each. So you're actually getting 50 laws. And the last law is the most important or level. Sorry. The last level of leadership is the most important. It's when you become a leader of leaders. So I'm going to ask you how many leaders are on your team that have at least the potential to replace your current role. Because we have some growing to do if you don't have one or two of them. I prefer a deep, deep bench. The first thing I have learned to do after decades of building businesses is I get in and the first thing I do is look to get out. Now, I'm not saying I'm getting out quick, but I'm looking for people that can have at least the potential to replace me from the minute I start that business. I've learned that that's a hard person to find. And when I really need that person, I don't have the time or the bandwidth or the relationships yet to find them. So I start building that deep bench from the minute I jump in, right? Um, So you know, you've got, because I mean, even if just, you know, let's say you, you know, you, you you go into a coma, let's say that you're, you're, you know, my wife gets breast cancer. Let's say I'm knocking on wood everywhere. Let's say, um, something happens with my child. Let's say I get injured. Let's say I get, I get, I have a stroke. My whole team can fall apart. My whole business can fall apart. My family's income could fall apart if I don't have a deep bench to step up. Not to mention a lot of the leaders on my team. I mean, going back to Sad Guru, he'll he'll tell you that it's based on human nature for us to always want to grow and develop ourselves further. Okay? Always. That's human nature. So everyone on your team, they want to come up. Don't hate them for wanting to come up, and don't hate them if you don't have a path for them to come up, for them to go someplace else where they think they have a path to come up. Even if you don't agree with that path, at least it's a way for them to come up, or they think it is. So we better have a path up, and if you have, a, and if you're open, like, hey man, I am looking for someone to take my role. There's always a pass up, and it holds you accountable. Because if you look like you work to death and you look like you're miserable all the time and you're griping as a leader to them, guess what? They don't want your role. You have to show them that you can you can actually lead your organization with the ease and grace of a true leader. And if you do, they will want it. So now you've got leadership accountability in place and you're building a deep bench. And there could be competition. I hope it's a whole lot of them, and that's going to push them even harder. It's natural group competition, which is good in business because top talent doesn't mind it. The talent that you're bummed about, the talent that you've had bad experience with, the talent that's, that's harmed you and your family because of how much time and energy and stress it's caused you, the people that were entitled to the role, they don't like competition, so you'll weed them out right away. They'll never get into that place where they have that much control over you or your organization because they don't like a competitive environment. They, they're they entitled. They were here first, or they did it the longest, or they have the most experience, or they because they did this, they have deserved this. That entitlement is tough and it's poisonous. That It creates victim behaviors in a horrible culture. But if you're building a deep bench with the expectation you're going to get out, I'm very transparent about it. I'm not lying to anyone that when I'm in, I am trying to get the heck out of here. And that's how I'm able, if you like my job, then come on, I'll show you how to do it. And it also requires me to then pour into my people, right? And I can tell you this, probably the thing I'm most proud about in business is all the people with like the Eisenhower stamp stamp on the back of their neck running around. Or actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna lower it. Let's make it a tramp stamp. Like it's down, like lower back, and it's calligraphy, and it's big, and all the people <laughs> that, that just got weird. I'm sorry, things just come out. The but over the time, you develop all these leaders, and some move on without me. Some work for my competitors. Some are running large organizations that maybe competed with me. Maybe they don't compete. But there are Eisenhower stable members running around all over North America that I have had an impact in building them up and they may have replaced me, they may have not, they may have found a way out, but I poured into them over that time. So we have a real tight bond. I mean, and, and in times when times are tough, man, my phone rings off the hook. Those guys are all over the place and they're calling me and they're because we have that tight bond and, and, they, and they remember that. And, and that creates a loyalty that you can never, ever, ever get from a family member that works for you or a friend that works for you or a past client that works for you or whatever you, you see loyalty in. Nothing creates loyalty than pouring into someone and developing them as a leader. Because, man, you open up a world of growth for them. And that's the one thing that all humans want to do is grow. And if you unlock that for them and pour into them and have patience and allow them an environment where they can fail forward, that's the key. And that is going to take an abundant mindset, a scarcity mindset. Well, I don't know. They're going to steal all my concepts and they're going to move on and use them against me. It's happened to me a gazillion times. Bring it. Bring it. Bring it. Makes sense? They know I have that attitude. Can't hurt me. Let's see. Let's see what you've learned, young Jedi. There's room for two. There's room for three. Makes sense? But they know that's the environment. That's what, you know, you have that abundant mindset. You've got to get rid of that scarcity thing that I'm going to keep this or I don't know. That I'm worried they're going to do that. But we, we have got to stop with that kind of stuff. That is not strong leadership. Strong leaders, again, back to Maxwell come from abundance. They come from abundance. And that's not easy to do. Again, (laughs) this week I was in a scarcity mindset. So it's not a matter of avoiding the scarcity mindset. It's a matter of constantly getting, being able to constantly get back on the horse. That is called abundance. So it's how quickly you get back on the horse. It's not about never falling off. Crucial, okay? So that means when you build your organization, we cannot build a shrine to ourselves. It cannot be like this temple of you with candles all around it. Like, I am awesome. You'll all learn to do it like me. My systems, my everything, my face everywhere. Start thinking about building up your people and making it about them. Start thinking about promoting them. Start thinking about promoting your team leaders ahead of you. Start thinking about being the rock star maker rather than the rock star. Give, give, give. That's what true leaders do, okay? That's what true leaders do. Because here's what happens. As I get in and get out, as I built the Eisenhower stable over the years, again, they're not my stable. They're horses running wild across the plains. My metaphors. What happens is, as I get in and I get out, each time I actually leave with a business that's still running, most of which are still running today, or I've sold them. And if I sold them, I sold them for a large enough amount of money so that that business, the stream of income that I was continuing to get from that in, it, it, it was like, okay, you can either buy it or not buy it. Here's the price. And I did not get obsessed with profit marginal on the way because I knew I was going to move on to the next thing. No one of them was this, you know, tremendously large. Most of the profit margins are well below 10%. Well below. Can you imagine putting yourself on a 10% commission split? If you want a business to sell, quite frankly, that doesn't require you to run it because no one wants to buy or some, buy something that, you know, if I if I go to like Team Sharon and Team Sharon has 300 agents, and Team Sharon is doing 50% of the production, and I buy Team Sharon I'm probably buying vapor because sharon has gone. Who knows how many team members are going to be gone because he built a shrine. They all worshipped him. It's not purchasable. So I can't even sell it. And I can't back out because if I back out, they're all going to leave because now you know the divine one has left the building. So it's unscalable. The only way to do that is get comfortable reducing the margin a little bit and building something that can sustain without you. And then man, go out there and just keep building bridges and walking across them and keep doing it. And some will have bigger margins than others. And hopefully you get people that are better at building them than you and those margins increase or at least the the net income increases. Because most of the people that are running my businesses definitely are better than me. One thing I've learned about myself over the time is I'm a great founder. I'm not a good operator. So I can put the fire in and I can get it going and I can play the pipe and people will follow me and all of a sudden it's all great. But then once everybody's there and we got a business and it's running and I'm just like, oh, what do I? You know, I I don't know what to do. I can coach it. I know what you should do. I'm just not really good at doing it. Makes sense? And I've, I've become self-aware of that over the years. I'm cool with that. And that, that actually is probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Once I learned that, I was like, oh, good deal. I can just keep building. Those of you that are really good operators that can really run your business well, it's even harder for you to step away. But once I got around the fact that I'm not the best operator and there's someone that really is more motivated than me to run this, who really wants more money than I do and really needs it and cares and motivated and needs to move the needle to get income. And once I can get that person in charge, oh my goodness, stuff goes, stuff goes. And that's that mindset we got to have. How am I on time, by the way? I never pay attention to that. So someone interrupt me if I'm... Yeah, no, uh, maybe a couple more minutes and we'll do some Q&A, Brian. Okay, good deal. Um And I think that applies – I want to tell you right now, I think that applies to all of you right now because I know this happened to a lot of you because it happened to me and it happens to everybody every year. But this year more than ever for some reason, I don't even know why. Like we don't have a pandemic. We don't have any excuses. We don't have supply chain issues and and interest rates are looking up. But everybody comes back and says, hey. All of your agents come back after the holiday break and all of a sudden they're freaking motivated. Like, it's like, where were you? Where have you been since October or since August even, right? Everybody's like fired up to go all of a sudden and they're complaining, I need more of you. And, and they haven't done anything for four months. You don't even remember they're on your team or something. Everybody's like pushing you and everyone's complaining, even your clients, everybody like that, guys. And it's very easy for us as leaders to get frustrated. It's like an annual experience for me. To get frustrated at all that. You know, and just like we always make fun of people that are going, everybody's going to the gym again. And they won't be at the gym, you know, three weeks of now. Be careful with the words you use here. Because if you say those things enough times, you will start to think those things. Understand that problem they have or that issue they have. That's the same reason they need you. They need leadership. They need coaching because leadership is coaching. Again, Maxwell, leadership is coaching. You need to pour into your people to build the stable. And when they speak up and they're frustrated, or now they're finally motivated that becomes an invaluable leadership opportunity because that's the one time they're actually ready to listen to you. When you're screaming at them in October because they say they need a break after the long, hard summer and they're getting their kids back to school, they are not listening to you. But they're listening to you when they come to you. And it often is a time when, well, I mean, here's the quote. I wrote it down because I've said, this is actually my quote another one that's mine I don't have a lot of those leadership opportunities are hard to see since we're often frustrated with their performance when we see them because we're usually so mad at them we're like well yeah where you been then that is not a good gr- I mean think about that if that if that's your parenting <laughs> you know you know that that's not a good parent well guess what there's a lot of alignment here with parenting and and leadership as well too so that's their time when they're speaking up to listen. That's the time we want to learn to come from curiosity. We want to learn to ask questions. That's when we can dig deep into their motivations. And if you if you have good skills as a coach, you will be an amazing leader of leaders. Okay? Another shameless plug, I am looking for coaches. Um, if someone knows my email, please it's brian at eisenhowercoaching.com. You can email me. I w- You will email me personally. I am cool with that. And if any of you are going to Inman and want to connect, email me, Brian at Eisenhower coaching. You can see my last name on the, on, it's the right way to spell it. And it's an I Brian, a lot of eyes. Okay. Um, Cause that's the way it works. Works. And guys, I hope this helps. I hope I'm not preaching to the choir. I think it's a time to be great leaders. If I give you homework right now, it is to get out there and find more leaders in your organization and build a talented group. Okay, I'm done.
1: No, so good. Um, what I, what we'll do is, um, I've, uh, Brian, I'll kick it off. So for folks, we have a few minutes. So what I would offer is if you have a question or a thought or something you want to comment on, um, just do a quick hand raise so that we'll make sure we follow it in the right order. But Brian, I'll kick this off with um, sharing something with you. Uh, I don't know if I shared this with you, and, and this would be a good story for everybody. So about six years ago, I hired a, I hired a coach to help me be a better coach. And he, he was, he's amazing. His name is Taki Moore. And Taki said something amazing to me. He said, dude, you have all this stuff. Like, why don't you just give it all away? And I was like, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, then everyone will use my stuff. And he's like, that's the point. And I said, well, I don't understand how that works. And he said something amazing to me. And he he showed me, he pulled up a, um, YouTube clip. So if you this is a great story. So please pay attention on this one. He pulled up a YouTube clip, Brian, of uh, Magic Johnson. And he's Magic Johnson playing, and he and you can and he there's this clip where Magic Johnson is literally calling out every play. He's like, Hey Brian, go to the hoop. I'm gonna alley oop you. Like he's telling people exactly what he's gonna do, like live during the game. And then when the game and he comes off the field, the the reporter asks him, she's like Magic. I was listening to you. You were telling your team members exactly what you were going to do. You didn't. There was no code. There was nothing. And he goes, "Don't you feel that sometimes the opponents are gonna like figure that out and and actually control your play?" And he said this quote, which is amazing. He says, "It's my job to innovate faster than they can compete." And like it sends chills through my spines every time I hear that. He's like, "It's my job to innovate faster than they can compete." And that was the six years ago. That's what switched it for me. Like I turned, literally I turned everything loose after that point. Cause it's like, Hey, I need to just innovate way faster than anyone can, can compete. And, and so my Brian, my question for you is this, um, how does a lot of us think about, I've talked to several team leaders, several broker owners, and they're like, Hey, you know, um, uh, Sharon came to me when he was a young pup, he did zero deals, I got him from zero deals to 25 deals. And then, like, one day, he just up and left. And he said, Hey, Sharon, this is not like, this is not personal, this is business. And we've heard stories like that often. Could you talk to that mindset where sometimes agents get like team leaders, you know, uh, especially at real, they get like, man, I have poured so much into this person. Yeah. And well, if they, how do you think through that?
0: Um, a couple of things there. Number one, if you let them leave with grace, you're going to have a fan for life. Right. And, and, and you know, that that's number one. Um, number two, you know, growth comes in numbers and you need to play the numbers. Right. You're going to have agents leave your team. That's just going to happen they're going to leave your team because they get out of real estate. They're going to leave their team. Cause they get a divorce. They're going to get out of team. Cause they get pregnant. They're going to get out of team because they want to just be a mom or a dad. They're going to leave your team cause they're going to move across the country. They're going to get out. They're going to leave your team for tons of reasons. They're, 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 that's just going to happen even despite what you do or don't do. So we could make that same argument with all of those situations. I want to pour on my pour into this person. And, and then they just leave for one of those reasons too. Right. But in this case, it, it hurts a little bit more. You know, it kind of hurts the ego. You know, my wife would refer to it as getting butt hurt a little bit um, because they're leaving you, but they are telling you something, right? They don't see a path to growth with you. It's a business decision. So somehow they don't see your vision for them which tells me we're not in conversation enough or someone on your team that's supposed to be leading them is not in conversation of them painting what a what a, what their vision of the finish team. line looks like, right? Because yeah. they think they're off on a wrong path. They don't see the finish line with you anymore. So you need to have a finish line and true talent is going to push you to paint clear visions of finish lines for different people.
1: So good. But, but by the way, you said you said um, these are the two lessons I learned over the last six years. And, and um, um, team, we can unspotlight all of us so I can I'll put TG up in a second. But Brian, these are the two phrases that when you were talking, it came to mind. Number one, it is, uh, I want to, I have to innovate faster than they can compete. And the second thing when you shared was uh, people quit when they run out of future with you. And I really think about that phrase a lot is like, Oh, why did they quit? They, like you said, they ran out of future with you. And it's so powerful when we, that that's a way for us to take responsibility, which is, is. which is super powerful. So that those two phrases came to mind when, when you were speaking. So it was awesome. Uh, TJ, you're up my buddy.
0: Yeah. Thanks so much, Brian. Nice to meet you. Sharon, thanks for putting everything on here. Really spectacular stuff. I I, I love this. Hopefully some folks out there are, are like myself. Um, I think I've become a phenomenal operator by default. I feel like that I'm a better leader, but by default, we kind of jump into the operating side of it and we almost feel trapped at times, right? Trapped with our agents, trapped with our lead gen, trapped with this, and like there's so much on our plates being in real estate and so much shifting and markets and all these things. How do we get to the next step of you know, getting some of that stuff off. Because there's nothing more than I would like to do than create a business that doesn't need me. But I feel like it needs me at all times and all ways. i tell you that, I mean, you have a personnel problem. There's no, I mean, unless you want to start giving stuff up or you just want to start working more hours and burning yourself out. All I do not recommend any of those, right? You can either shut stuff down like most realtors do at the end of their career and just stop taking income and refer it all out to 20% to somebody else or something like that. But to me, you've got a personnel problem. You don't have someone on your team or in your organization you trust enough to give this stuff to. Right? So either we got we got an A. Find those people that at least have the potential to and then learn how to develop them over time. And yes, things will get worse before you go forward because it takes more time to train them. Because I always say the training process is I do, we do, they do. They're going to watch me do it. That's tough. They're going to ask questions and we're going to do it together, which means I got to train them. So that's actually going to go harder. It's going to take more of my time, which is why there's such a high high, high barrier to entry on the empire building thing, right? Right. Um, Because we got to pour into those people. That takes more time than we started with, right? And then only then when they come up, do we actually get our time back? And then they're doing it. And then we got to do that with somebody else and somebody else. And guess what? One of those people is not going to be the right fit. So we may have to do it again. The barrier to entry gets even higher. That's why there's only like a few people flying around in G6s you know it's it, honestly it's that ability to let go and develop other leaders that's the reason they just build shrines to themselves but i really think get more people right now get talented people grow that's why growth matters that's why numbers matter numbers of personnel because let me tell you if you bring on 50 people only, I'm not trying to pump numbers or talk about how big my team is or increase my unit count. I'm I can find more leaders with 50 people. There's a much increased likelihood that there's a strong leader in there than there is if I just bring them on one at a time. Right. It just is what it is. You want to get there in a hurry and you want to alleviate your time relief. Bring them in bunches. Give them all a test spin. Don't get butt hurt on the ones that don't fit or leave your team or don't show up to your team meetings and move forward if you want to get there fast. You want to get there kind of halfway fast? Bring on 10 at a time. It's how fast you want to go.
1: So good. Awesome. All right, Mr. Martin, bring us home, my friend. Let them leave with grace. I love that as a reminder. Uh, Brian, I struggle to get people when they do leave to actually give their authentic answer for leaving. And what can I do differently as a leader to really extract that
0: upon their exit or am I never going to really get the true answer? You may never get the true answer, my man, but I, 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 I first, I would definitely, I would meet with them regularly. Okay. So I, when they leave, I would actually do a follow-up meeting and ask them again, 60 days from after they leave, keep staying in relationship with those people. And the way you get that relationship is you keep showing an interest in their growth, coach them when they're at their new, just keep giving man, coach them when they're in their new place, help them succeed at their new organization or on their new team. Keep giving and you'll start to see a new answer. I can almost guarantee you when people leave your organization or your team, this is the main thing I've seen over so many years of running large brokerages and having teams operate within them, um, including my own team way back before that. We're going back to the 90s now. The, um, but going way, I have seen this when people leave a team, I'll go talk to the person who left the team and I'll go talk to the team leader. And here's what I see the most. I'll go talk to the person that left the team. and I'll say, why'd you leave the team? Well, I kind of got everything I got. And, you know, and I'll say, yeah, I saw you sold 24 transactions last year. That's awesome. How many of those came from you? And they'll say, pretty much all of them. Like 22 of them came from me. I only got like two leads from the team. Then I'll go to the team leader and ask team leader. Yeah, I saw they left. What happened there? Because I'm just trying to be peace and let everybody know I'm neutral, right? And they'll say... Well, uh, you know, they left the team. I'm not quite sure why. They just said they were on the greener pastures or better revenues or as a business decision. And I'll say, oh yeah? Well, how how many of their transactions came from you versus the team? And they'll say, oh, we gave them all 24 of their transactions. Every lead came from me. How could there be such a big disconnect? How could, literally, and it's because that's a leadership failure. We're not telling them where their bread is buttered. They don't know the difference between lead generation and lead conversion. They think lead can, oh, here's a buyer. And they think all the work is in handling the buyer. They don't even understand the value of lead generation of what it took to generate that buyer. That is on you because it's probably the most difficult concept to grasp in this entire industry. And if you cannot communicate that difference effectively as a leader, you're going to keep losing people because they're going to look at you as a stepping stone to growth. People join teams just to move on. And that's what a lot of them think. I'm going to work for you. I'm going to learn everything I can for you. Well, they, they better be able to bring you enough business to the team to show that they do know how to hunt on their own. Because you, you wonder why these guys go off and perish on their own and we feel good about it, which is definitely not the right way to feel. Because they feel good about it because they died without you. They died without you because they never understood the importance of lead generation when they left you. So you did let them die. You ruined their career because of your inability to show them the value of lead generation. Now, that's pretty, I didn't mean to leave that's, you guys with no, that no, much guilt. That's, that's, that's kind of heavy, but you no, get it. We got to own
1: that. <laughs> it's, it's super good. We'll have, well, uh, Kelly, one more question, but I will tell you, I'm going to capture everybody's like way this. And for any of you that are interested, the next our next session, I, I took three post-its of notes, that that um, topics that I want to kind of share with all of you. But Brian hit on something really powerful, which is, you know, where your bread is buttered. And I want to show you, maybe next time we all get together, I'll show you a framework on how you can take every single person coming on your team and how you can take them through that a framework where they know where their involvement starts and ends, where your contribution starts and ends, and how you become better together. Most of us don't know how to communicate that and package that so that they know it inherently. So I'll show you a framework so you can have that conversation often. But all right, Kelly, uh, bring us home and then we'll we'll be on time. You got you got one minute, bud. Okay, real quick. Hey Brian, thank you, Sean, thank you. Um, real quick, Team Cap, obviously you
0: with know, the broker cap, you know that that works really well. Um, this this profit uh, margin syndrome is pretty cool. We talked about. I love I love that. It's a mindset shift for me. Um, team Cap for maybe a certain type of leads, SOI leads for the team member. What do you think? Yes or no? Considering what you said about the profit margin syndrome. I think I would do everything I could to incentivize agents to bring in business from their own SOI, number one. I mean, that, I mean when, they, when, when people get their real estate license, Kelly, they get their real estate license not thinking I'm going to just be a telemarketer and convert leads that somebody else gives me all the time. Okay. And by the way, I got to say this. I want to give it a shot. Now I can see you all because I've been focused in Uh, Eric hatch. I'm going to give you a fist bump, dude. Good to see you, man. It's been a while. Um, so the, um, (laughs) I like it. And the cheer was nice too. the, (laughs) um, the, um, so they, they have a dream when they get their license that they're going to build this big business and and all these people are going to come to them. So we have an obligation to meet that Core dream that every new licensee has, right? Um, so in every way we want to incentivize those people. I mean, there's a million different ways to structure real estate teams, and I we are not a one-size-fits-all company. We we kind of do a custom thing because people generate different ways and grow different ways, and I like all the different ways. Um, but I will tell you, always try to create an environment that incentivizes them and puts the onus on them to build their SOI. If you create a bunch of little you know, dependent, you know, communist chicks that, that just want to eat the government cheese all the time. I hope there's no communists on here um, <laughs> that want to eat the government cheese all the time. It's <laughs> not a concern, I guess. Um, <laughs> you, 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 they are going to become so darn dependent on you and you're not doing them a service. Like they want a leader to help them develop and grow their own business. And if they are struggling and they are hurting I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say, hey, I need more leads or I need better leads. I'm not going to go that way. I'm going to say then I'm going to actually focus on them and their business. Every coaching appointment I have is going to be on helping them build their sphere of influence and what they bring, because if they're ever going to rise up and get a better split or get a cap or any of that stuff, they're going to earn it by growing their business because otherwise I'm an enabling a little communist. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to keep going with it. <laughs> I don't want to enable that mentality. I don't want to create a bunch of low-level employees. I want talent to grow on my organization. I want to prove to other teams and other agents and other organizations that my people are on the come up. When you join me, we build leaders on my team. and leaders come from building their own database. They don't come to they don't they don't they're not codependent agents that just need my leads all the time. And if they do grow on and leave me, remember, we're back to abundance. So I like the, my answer is yes, I like it, Chris. I like lots of ways. There are lots of ways to do that though, not just that. Thanks for listening to the Brian Eisenhower podcast. You can learn more about ICC at EisenhowerCoaching.com. That's I-C-E-N-H-O-W-E-R.com. You can also enroll in one of our many online courses, at icconlinelearningcenter.com. That's icconlinelearningcenter.com, where you'll find the most expansive real estate training library in the industry. We also offer custom training portals for real estate teams and brokerages looking to give all of their agents access to our expansive course list of courses and training systems. Some companies even take it one step further by purchasing versions of our courses and systems that are white label branded to their specific real estate organizations. Also, be sure to subscribe to Eisenhower Coaching's YouTube channel to watch new video content that we put out each and every week. And again, be sure to join the fastest growing Facebook group for top performing real estate professionals by searching for the Real Estate Agent Roundtable Group. With all of that said, thank you again for joining us today. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Brian Eisenhower Podcast.